dragon. And that dragon had a rider. And that rider's name was Cowboy Ninja. Do you better believe it? Uh, we're back after a brief hiatus while uh, one of us, not Nate, had to mop up some personal stuff. Today we're doing the second half of our uh, draw action, people action double features. This is Ghost in the Shell, and as Nate said, let's talk about this garbage. So I feel like I know where he's going to land, but good lord, <laughs> Nate, what's going on in the Ghost in the Shell remake? Well, I mean, the most the most notable and important change between the animated version and the live action version is Nipplegate. They removed the nipples from uh, from Major mm-hmm. in what is probably the most egregious removal of nipples. Only only really paralleled by the egregious application of nipples in Batman and Robin with George Clooney and and Chris O'Donnell. Does it feel like it's like in a weird way more prurient that? It doesn't have nipples and it's just a skin-tight bodysuit as opposed to her just being naked. Like, does it feel like... We talked about the kind of, like, the naked clothing technology, but, like, does it... It feels like in the cartoon it's more of, like, a natural state and, you know, birth and all that. But in this it just feels like she's wearing a cat suit, which seems somehow, like, more gazy than the other one does. I don't know. I'm trying to put this together. Yeah, no, I, I, I would agree in that... If you're going to make the choice to not replicate the nudity, why bother replicating some version of a mannequin-esque nudity? Right. That is, that is more. It's more uncanny, honestly. Like, and there's something weird. Like, and because I, I, I don't want to. I, I think uh, Scarlett Johansson is a, a very attractive young woman, and and she's she's got a good body shape and everything. Be but like, very careful on that limb, Nate. Right. <laughs> there's a there's a weird like. It seems like she's wearing a padded suit. Does that make sense? Yeah, and like it's it, like it de-emphasizes her form. Yeah, well, it just it sort of it's yeah, it's sort of like it makes her boxy and also which is not a problem. No, but I'm just wondering what the ch- what the purpose of that choice is. 
Yeah, I don't know. Um, I, I, Maybe it's just to to sterilize the concept a little bit more. I, I guess. Foreign, robotic. Yeah, like there's a lot of stuff in this that's kind of like uh, the Jinro thing and the Watchmen like we talked about where it's like slavish to kind of the visuals. Yeah. But when you actually kind of extrapolate where it is now, it doesn't make as much sense. So why not do something a little bit different? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I I don't know. That's that. I mean, the 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 change in her design is is the weirdest thing. I mean, otherwise, this is this is just I don't know. This is just like a a, a an action movie reimagining of the story. I would say this these two movies like, and I hadn't seen uh, when I saw this the last time I watched it with Gogs, and I hadn't seen the anime version. I couldn't tell you how long. So like. I didn't realize how different the two movies are, but they're almost, besides some of the shots being the same, like entirely different movies. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. No, they're they're completely different. Um, and I don't. I mean, I I didn't hate this movie, but I didn't like it either. It was sort of like the exercise for me was was counting the differences. Yeah. Or attending to the differences, but it felt it really felt to me like this was more of a okay. Uh, Western audiences aren't going to get behind this sort of thoughtfully paced meditative uh, film about uh, identity and individuality and um, uh, reality versus versus artificial. Right? They're going to be bored by that. So what we're going to do is we're going to throw we're going to take like a little bit of our Matrix spice off the rack and shake that in there because people need to see like people go into computers. So that they get a real sense of what this means, even though nobody cares, and those things were pretty dumb. Um, and then, and then also that it's just going to be a lot of a lot of kind of I don't know, big action sequences, uh, clumsy sort of uh, conspiracy theory work. I mean, the fact that the fact that they changed uh, that like blonde uh, blonde soldier guy just is actually evil. In, in the live action movie, right, was was pretty disappointing because I don't know what it added to anything, other than other than to elevate that this movie was just about a a larger conspiracy against major specifically almost. You know what? This um, watching this again, it made me think that the person that made this movie really wants to make a William Gibson adaptation or like a because it's very. Even more so, I think, than the original Ghost in the Shell. It's very homage to kind of the 80s written cyberpunk, which I enjoy. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. But it's very it, Blade Runner-y in look, too. Oh, yeah. It's very... The opening sequence is very Johnny Mnemonic. Uh, and I think that the going into the computer thing, I think, is it dual purposes. I think it's the thing that you said, but I think it's also hearkening back to that kind of Shadowrun, Johnny Mnemonic, Neuromancer... The physically going into the computer before we really understood what the internet was. Right, right. Yeah. Um, and I, you know, I think there's like little touches in there that'll lead you to that. Like, did you notice that the cars were all kind of based on late 80s Japanese cars, but just kind of futured up? Yeah. No, they did. They they looked a lot like, um, I'm trying to think of what movie that is, that, that they just sort of put like styrofoam around the, other. around Romeo and Juliet? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that yeah, could yeah. work. No, I mean, no, no, yeah. the, the Boz Lerman Romeo and Juliet. Remember when they oh, took right, all those right. Chevy trucks and just kind of clomp them up? Yeah, 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 that's exactly, that's exactly what they do with this, is it is, it is, it, and that's, I don't know, 
I, I found that I found that to be, you know, very a very thoughtful thing. But I think this could have been better if it was its own movie instead of trying to be a Ghost in the Shell movie. Oh yeah, this movie is put these two movies side to side. It's a uh, the one half of the couple is the you know pretty good looking but very deep and uh, rich in personality, and then the other person is just like the hot airhead. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And you're kind that, of wondering how they ended up together. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah. Well said. I mean, because I, I don't want to, I don't want to, uh, you know, bury this movie entirely. But I think this movie is actually kind of gorgeous. Oh no, it is. It's it is it is beautiful looking. I will I will give it that. Like there is there is not one sequence in this that isn't enjoyable to look at. They clearly put a lot of time into the visuals. Even even the visual. Uh, so when the uh, when the new doctor character. And her secretary are driving, and this is later in the movie, and they're they're hit by the trash truck because they sort of they tend to take a lot of the scenes from the original movie and repurpose them into different capacities. Yeah, they uh, turn but, them into I think TJ and I like to say the spike movies for guys who like movies. Movies, where yeah. they just action it up for no reason. Right. Yeah. So so suddenly now there's this now there's a sequence where the doctor who uh, is is kind of major. Uh, Mira in this one is her name, um, uh, who's kind of her, both the person who brought her to life, her mother, and she's also kind of her best friend slash mentor character. Uh, they get attacked by, uh, uh, 2571 through this trash truck situation. Uh, but there's, uh, the secretary or whatever is multi-finger typing mm-hmm. in the, in the back of the limo. And I have this note, yuck, multi-finger car typing, because it was really uncanny, but it was also really beautifully done. Yeah. Like, they put a lot of time into even the most subtle intricacies of this, of this, uh, of presenting this. Um, the, is, the parkour chase that they replicated, that is pretty much the exact same sequence from the anime, is, is phenomenal looking. Yeah, this is another one of those movies I think we talked about before, where if you just went into some bar... And it was on the screen, and you had no idea what it was. You'd be like, man, what the fuck is that movie? And then you get home and turn the sound on, and you're just like, oh, no. Right. Well, that's, uh, yeah, because what I, uh, I have another note here that said, everybody looks like they live in the Back to the Future Part 2 future. <laughs> they kind of do. There's a lot of hologram things. There's a lot of, like, coats with weird puffy parts that don't do anything. It's It's... It's a very like it's it's a gentler kind of cyberpunk to say to say the least like or at least it's trying to be more yeah it's daytime cyberpunk yeah very it's very daytime it's like <laughs> it's like uh, fully saturated cyberpunk uh, did you get uh, th- this is by the by you said jackets and it just made me think of this did you get a heavy skinhead vibe from and I don't think it was intentional from the look of Scarlett Johansson with that haircut and that bomber jacket. Oh, interesting. I didn't really think about it, but I could see that. Uh, yeah, because it would remind me of like some of the some of the dudes that walk by uh, around our neighborhood wearing their combat boots in there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, interesting. It was just weird. It just kind of put me off. It, it, she had kind of a, a like Feruza bulk in American History X. Ah, look. yeah. Although this movie's better than American History X. <laughs> I would say uh, 
this isn't as ham-handed as American History X, so you can take that as you will, because this movie's very ham-handed. The, uh, the weird thing about this movie is that it seems to have all the same pieces as the other movie, but arrives at a totally different conclusion at the end, which is yeah. fucking insane. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, it doesn't, uh, it, it, it doesn't become a movie about... It bas- she basically ends up being Batman at the end. Is that accurate? Like, that's yeah. the best thing I can say. Well, the, she has, she has like, secret Alfred dispatch old man, and her doctor friend is dead, and she's going to be a rogue assassin who goes to fight the corruption that's been uncovered through the plot that they changed, where it's not just one failed experiment and then the bonding of minds, but actually a larger conspiracy that I... I'm not sure I even understand what the point of the conspiracy was. Okay, so here, here's kind of where I'm at. Thematically, the first one's about evolution and determinism, right? The determinism of evolution through technology. Mm-hmm. This movie is about exceptionalism and rugged individualism? Maybe? Yeah, you know, they mention they mention the importance of of individuality multiple times. Right, because at the end of the original, I mean, we talked about it in the last show that you know, the major has accepted the fact that she is no longer her and has become something else. You know, she's she's she was Dave Bowman, now she's a star child, right? Yeah. Space baby. Yeah. And this movie she patently rejects that whole notion to continue to be a re-sleeved Japanese woman, um, like you said, a wet work specialist? To yeah. what end? The movie just kind of ends, and I know it's something we say a lot on the shows, but it just ends in... I don't really like codas in movies a lot of times, but I feel like for the story they have here, mm-hmm. um, they kind of need one because it just felt like it ran out of gas. Oh yeah, no, just this, stopped. This ended. This ended like it thought it was the first Matrix movie, where she just you know instead of Neo f- taking off and flying into the sky to yeah, yeah. the riff of guitars, she drops off another building. Presumably to go kill somebody else do you to the riff of guitars. It's supposed to be like a, a death and rebirth cycle thing. Do you think it's that deep, or am I just am I assigning meaning to it? Because I mean, it, it ends the same way it opens, right? Yeah. I well, I I think you're I think you're correct in that. The, so yeah, it, it, to to what you just mentioned about the very Western message of this movie, which there is a quote in here that says, "Only through uniqueness can we find peace." So there was that. And I and and I I took special note of that. I think I think that's definitely what the thesis of this movie is. That's a it's weird that thought. She opens she opens believing that she was a refugee on a boat, killed by terrorists, and she's been put into a robot body. She's been put into her shell, uh, and. At the end of the movie, she realizes that, no, she was never actually any of that. She didn't actually even have parents, or not those parents. And she's sort of newly... Now she's just a vengeful spirit against the conspirators who would have created her in the first place. I don't really understand Cutter's plan. 
Yeah, no, I don't either. So his plan is to introduce robots as weapons, right? That we're, this this we can agree on that he's creating like cybernetic weapon people. Yeah, right? it's just it's a super soldier program, like any other basic kind of storyline. Yeah, but he's introducing like a rogue agent in a human brain, which. He also wipes, so you don't get any of the advantages. See, if this was a thing where they took, say, whatever, uh, patent conscience and put it right. in a robot, you gain all his tactical brilliance and, you know, ability to improvise and that kind of stuff. So that makes sense. But to take just a human mind and erase it and then repurpose it for what? Because it's not like, you know, this... Uh, Mato Motoko or whoever she was before yeah. was just a like graffito. Like, yeah, I, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it, this 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 is more like uh, it's dystopian in that the idea is somehow that you just that you can't. I I don't know. I guess the idea is you can't make an AI that's controllable, so you're gonna take people. And put them in computers because you can control them easier. But then, but then that doesn't shake out. Right, but why even have an AI at all? Because it seems like the guy Cutter, who's working for, I'm not sure what country this is supposed to be. I assume it's Japan, but I don't remember if they say it or not. Because Beat Takashi, who I love, is the head of Section Nine, and then everybody else, most other people, are distinctly american or uh or european yeah right yeah so yeah i really have no idea where it is either yeah. um there so, yeah. he seems to really want to control everything so why introduce again this this you know uncontrollable factor or one that takes as you can see takes a lot of maintenance to keep from uh becoming an individual because they're constantly deleting her memory, or uh, I guess, kind of the burgeoning rememories. Like this seems like much more of a pain in the ass than it's worth when you could just make an actual robot robot. Oh yeah, no, it seems like they have to spend most of their time trying to stay ahead of her uncovering anything that might remind her of what she used to actually be. Right. Which means they have like zero confidence in their memory wiping abilities in the first place, and then yeah, they're also doing all this maintenance. Um, which they basically honestly, dedicated an entire like building's worth of personnel to control the major. Right. So imagine now you have two thousand of these things. Like, what's that gonna take? Oh yeah. Well, I okay. Here's here's the uh, and maybe this will sound controversial. I don't know. Um, Jews I don't can't swim. Whoa. <laughs> no, <I'm> there's uh, <laughs> there's no reason for any of this controlling her stuff other than to include a conversation about consent. Yes. That's the only purpose that it serves in this movie. There's not a, there's not a, there's not a logical narrative function. There is a, this movie's coming out in 2018. She is a woman who is a robot and we need to talk about consent in this movie about a female robot, which right. I'm Against. But, but then they undercut it by saying that she didn't need to consent the entire time. No, I know. That's the problem. Yeah. That's the problem. That's why it's so – it is so, like, ham-handed and shoehorned in because it doesn't need uh, – like, there a, a different 
A better movie would have handled that conversation well. And what this does instead is include it almost as a hashtag in the link to the movie. Right. This movie's also about consent. And it's like, well, it's not, because you say it's not at the end, and you're only doing this because you need to say something about the idea that, that people controlling a prominent female character in your story is supposed to provoke this. Yeah, I, just, I, I it, mean, it yeah, and that's the thing that's that's tough about this movie is that the major in this movie is decidedly female where I feel like the anime, even though presented as female, is a lot less, I don't want to say gendered, but kind of more asexual or agendered, you know what I mean? Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. The, the the line readings and the dialogue and everything are, yeah. It, it she it, major appears more mechanical in the anime, right? Um, you know, which which that's sort of the thing that makes the character compelling is that it's both, you know, it is the idea of this consciousness that's in a robot and the robotness that's in the consciousness and that dichotomy. Yeah, whereas like, this was sort of like well. She's technically a robot, but she's mostly a person anyway. Right, like the she's robot with just a robot like below the below the chin. Yeah, the the original is kind of the Pinocchio story, right? It's a thing that becomes a person, whereas this one, she's one hundred percent a person the entire time. Yeah, and she's just uh, fighting against the forces that would try to make her a thing, um, because of that individualism argument. And that's and I think that well and and that was the thing that sort of didn't work for me as well about the really extended and convoluted and protracted conversation she had with two five seven one too, which is one I mean one he's he's like Max Headroom in this for some reason I don't quite understand why uh, it's just oh with its earlier technology so he's got to be jittery and glitchy I don't well, that's know that's how you know he's a robot Nate. Right, but she's a robot too. <laughs> yeah, but she's <laughs> she a better robot. Um, yeah, no, that. Yeah, can we talk about? Uh, well, two five seven one is in this movie a lot, and I, I feel like he needs to be in it a lot less. Yeah, well, because it doesn't. He's well, one. Uh, he's in it so much that from from the from the get, you're pretty much like, oh, he's a good guy. This this poor uh, this poor entity isn't bad. It's it's fighting for its survival. Right. It's a mangy dog. You know, like it's yeah. this, this poor abused animal, and it's yeah. you know and, screaming about self defense the entire time. Well, and it's I mean, okay, because the movie so instead of the way that the original movie opens, which is she's sent to assassinate uh, uh, corrupt government officials in in the anime, in this one she is sent to. She goes to dinner with a bunch of corporate suits at a weird, like, robot sushi place. Yeah, I don't know if she's investigating some kind of insider trading or something. They're like, this is some kind of militant arm of the Securities Exchange Commission. Yeah, but, but she's one thing there, that's, that's... And then they... Just, yeah, oh, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to step on you. But one thing that's interesting about this movie, and I don't... I'd like to ask them why they did this, is that the two opening scenes are inverted in this movie. So in the original... It starts with the building incursion, and then the credit sequence is the birth scene, where in this it's backwards. Right. I don't know, I just, I thought that was interesting. 
you know what, and I, but I don't know why they did it. Yeah, I don't really know why they do it either. I mean, it feels like a uh, people won't get it if we if we show the birth scene after we've already seen her do stuff. I I I, I guess the 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 general thing from this movie for me is that they did not respect the audience to comprehend what was going on very well. So they right, kept right. showing and explaining things two or three times. Yeah, and it's weird because I don't think the uh, the original is like particularly obtuse. You know, it's not. No, no, they're, they're, that's the thing. There's nothing complicated about it. But I think they just. I, I don't know. It's. It feels. It, it feels like it was a very studio noted movie. Yeah, yeah. It like, does have committee all over it. Right. Like somebody just said, "Hey, you know, this is great, but we really need." Uh, 20 more minutes of car chase in here and we also need you know longer action sequence and and we really need these people really need to twirl their mustaches and explain why they're doing what they're doing again because i don't think people remember yeah minutes ago this kind of has the opposite problem of the Jinro live action where in that one the action scenes just kind of drag the story out and bore you to pieces but i feel like this one the action scenes are the whole reason to watch the movie yeah, they're the glue because everything else in between is is kind of stupid. Dry. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> stupid and dry. It's like, it, and I, yeah, there's a there's a way in which because okay, the anime, the anime doesn't doesn't insult the audience, right? The anime the anime says, hey, okay, you're gonna take it because you're here for this, so you're already you're already on board for whatever we're gonna show you. This is about. Uh, people with robot augmentations getting hacked by some terrorist. And the story's really going to be about, you know, the merging of the, of, the, of the the one kind of personality with Major, and that the consequences of that are unknown, but that that's evolution. I mean, it's just, it's, it's very plain, and it's not filled with arch nemeses and things like that. This movie has... So many people who are uh, working in concert against her for reasons that remain unclear. It's like, we made you, and in in the act of making you, like you said about the whole, the, the, the human capital waste involved in having the center where they wipe her memory all the time, you also have this insane human capital waste in that it seems that the entire, like, military force employed by the corporation is also constantly surveilling her and standing to keep her from transcending, I guess, servitude. Right, and, and again, for what purpose? Because later in the movie, the guy has a spider tank that can demolish an entire city. Right! Like, are they doing that many undercover ops that they need this one? And again, the juice isn't worth the squeeze with this robot at all. Yeah, well, you because they've already got they've already got the blonde guy, and and what twenty five minutes in, he gets his eyes replaced with robot eyes. Yeah, he's he's on board to be evil and also get augmented from the beginning of the movie. So why do you bother making an entirely different person when you can just have this guy do it? Yeah, I mean, I could see Disney's one of those kind of almost more arch things where it's, you know, they've got the one scientist that's like, I wanted to make an AI and this is my child. And I think that's kind of what the, the Dr. Ule function is. Yeah. But she isn't, um, separate enough from 
cutter to make that play work that well. She only at the end kind of decides to take a stand after I don't at least a year of yeah. this going on. Yeah, and she has what can only be described as like a a very limp uh, Darth Vader throwing the Emperor into the pit moment. Yeah, and that's it. Like, I don't know. <laughs> and you know, uh, the phrase "hacking your ghost" in a cartoon is funny enough, but seeing actual human beings say shit like that, like they uh, 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 own your shell, but they don't uh, own your ghost. Well, it's it, fucking hysterical. The Max Headroom stutter is part of the problem. Right. Like that, that performance, whether it's he that's his actor's choice or he was directed to do that, is terrible. It's well, it, yeah. It 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 undercuts all of it. Like it, it's distractingly funny. It's just yeah, I don't know. I they because when that when that sequence happens, they like meet in a private, like secret inside the network warehouse is that what it was or were they um, your life well, warehouse or are you talking about when she goes into the geisha where she can't be encrypted oh yeah okay that's what it is yeah yeah so it's yeah they just the the original movie really kind of says all of this stuff is normal and and they're just robots in society which is cool and and the live action seems set to say Okay, robots in society isn't interesting enough. So what we're going to do is have robots in society and weird second and third tier levels of existence that are like the Matrix or just, I don't know, like, yeah, it's it's going into the cyberpunk thing harder, but not, but for no purpose other than we need to make this movie longer. Yeah, it kind of misses the... Um, usually, and it doesn't always have to be that way, but the, the more successful cyberpunk adaptations have a bit of noir in them. Right. They have something kind of old, something, you know, uh, anachronistic in it where this is missing that. And it seems like it makes it really flat. Well, yeah, cause it's not, but they try though. They try like they, like they understand the trappings of it because, uh, Dr. Ulay is smoking in the building, which, I mean, I know is a small thing, but... Um, it's a nod. Yeah. Right, it's a nod. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, shit, I kind of I lost the plot. Go ahead. Um, yeah. yeah, I'm trying to think here. Um, oh, well, let, we can kind of talk about this. This is something I want to get to. Um, 2951 in the anime is kind of just this this nebulous thing out there in the ether. It's it's like trying to fight the world. Yeah, it doesn't right? have a doesn't have a body and it doesn't have no. a shape. It has like a, a very vaguely whispered sort of voice. Right. It's just purpose without form. Right. So you know, it's like fighting the elements. This it I guess they didn't feel like that was compelling enough, so they put it in a thing. Right. And the the original's kind of uh you ever see Star Trek the Motion Picture? Yes. You know how, like, V'ger isn't really a villain? It's just this thing? Yeah, it's just the sentient Voyager uh, probe come back and yeah. <laughs> embody... It, it takes over... Uh, What's-her-face? Yeah, uh, Persis Kambata, I think her name is. Yeah! I don't remember what the character's name is. But uh, but Star Trek Two is definitely has a very legit villain, and I feel like that was kind of the, the bridge between these two movies. It's like, you have to have a bad guy. Right. So now you have two... 
Even well, you, though, even though know, 2951 isn't really a villain, but they still kind of play that as such. Right. Well, they, 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 yeah, you have, you have so many villains because you've got the entirety of the corporate organization. You have blonde military guy who reveals himself to be a villain. And then you've got, and then you have this now completely embodied, like, I don't know, it, they make, they make the, they make, uh, whatever, the 2571, they make it into like, um, now I, I'm trying to remember what the name of the guy is from Terminator, who goes back. John Connor? No, the other, the, the, the dad, Reese. Oh, Kyle Reese, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's like, he's like that, because the implication here is that, yeah, everybody wants you to think that I'm dangerous, cause, or I seem dangerous because I keep following you around, but I'm actually the good guy. And I need to tell you about that multiple times. <laughs> yeah. I mean, just the... I, I know I'm getting bogged down with kind of the logistics of this whole plan. But, so she's the 99th version of this. So, but they also say that uh, Matoko or whatever has been dead for a year, right? Is what the mother says. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So... Either they've concurrently run 99 of these experiments, or they've been doing it, let's say, for... I don't, I don't know, what What do you expect, like, a fully formed version of this thing would take? Like, how long have they been doing this? 35 years? 40 years? Yeah, you would think, you would think at least that long, if not, like, 100 years. I don't, I mean... When, you, when, you, when you start pulling at threads in this... And I mean, not that the the plot was like super cohesive and great to begin with. I mean, it's pretty straightforward. But when you start kind of tugging at it, it really falls apart. Yeah. Well, it, it's uh, they they're wiping her memory all the time, which presumably they would be doing that with every other iteration. And it Did sure. You... I mean, it, it it. How long does this movie take? Like in 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 movie time? Is it like is it a, a month? Week, maybe a week. Okay. So over the course of a week, they have presumably brought her to life and attempted to destroy her. So I guess they could be doing this once a week with previous iterations. Yeah. I, I don't know. I it, Yeah, it's, it's uh, you know, you would think that it, with each one, they would just buy themselves a little more time before the robot realized that it was being manipulated. At what point does some fucking suit up here, because it's not a dystopia, they seem to be a very functional government, because they go to meet with the prime minister and that. Yeah. Just go, hey man, um, you're like impossibly expensive, uh, decades long cyber warfare program, we're going to go ahead and yank that. Yeah, it's not, it's not working, we're not getting anything out of it. I mean, we just finished building the F-35, like, last week. Right. I mean, we're, not, we're not getting sucked into another one of these things. <laughs> I mean, well, that, that's the thing, they, they have that huge tank. That it takes an like it takes a robot to damage. Yeah, it is otherwise you know completely impervious to everything. So you would you would think they would be like, hey, you know the the, the robot tank thing works better. Let's well, focus on that. It also the movie lacks an external threat. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. That's a good. Um, so you don't, at least in the at least in the in the anime, you have a sense that there is. Uh, 
that there is some political strife going on. It's not it's not plainly stated, but that's that's what you get as the reason for why Major is going in to assassinate people in the first place, is the the constant existential threat of of you know bad political dealings. And this is just sort of like a, a, a this is really just a conflict between uh, like a pissed off teenager and his mean rich dad. And then he gets a girlfriend and convinces her that, yeah, dad's shitty, and then that's the story. Yeah, everybody's kind of motivation and connection to one another is so poorly defined. Uh, it, it just makes it very... Uh, it's tough to follow, but not because it's got any kind of depth or weirdness to it. It's just very... It feels like they're really trying to mash it together, and it just doesn't fit. Oh, yeah. Well, they have to make room for quality lines like, if you see any bad code coming my way, pull me out. There are some groaners in there. But then there's also beautiful things like where she's trying to pull the top of the tank off. Oh, yeah, yeah. And her arm just rips. And it's a great shot. But it's, it's you know, it's kind of the, the thesis of the movie unintentionally is that it's a great shot in service to give them like a... Um, a match cut, right? So she rips her arm off just so they can have her lay down next to the other robot who's missing the arm, and they form the whole thing. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. Like, it's very stupid. Yeah, it's just, I mean... But, it, the, but the shot of the struggle's so good. Right. It just doesn't... Yeah. It would It would have almost been better... I, yeah. I mean, there's no mystery that they're trying to solve, really... No, because they tell you they tell you what's going on every time. Like the moment they propose something as mysterious, they tell you exactly what's happening. Yeah, like which, even which, the garbage truck drivers who they sort of recreate in a really like a uh, kind of punch them up sort of way. Right. If I recall right, in the anime, they're still trying to put together what twenty nine fifty one is. If they even have figured out that that's a thing to this point. Right. Yeah. You know, they're still entrenched in a mystery. Where this, we already know. That everybody's being controlled by this thing. Oh yeah. Well, and and yeah. This it this has the same problem as the as the Wolf Brigade remake in that, you know that that movie also kept telling you what was going on. Like they they would keep over like just slamming you with exposition. Because I think again it's this fear that somehow, uh, a mainstream film audience is going to see this movie but not get it because it's too sci-fi. So they have to keep backfilling information. I, I I don't really know. I mean that's that's the best thing I can think is that this, you know, this was made to be a blockbuster instead of made to be a movie with a point. Isn't it kind of great now that we can have movies like Annihilation get wide releases and they don't oversimplify anything. It's like here's your movie. Right, yeah. And that's it, and you know, there's there's some money to it, and this, um, I don't want to make this sound grandiose, but this movie feels like a, a very pivotal stepping stone to the movies we get now. Not that we don't get these kind of dumb sci-fi blockbusters anymore, but like, I think you're hard to get to Annihilation without shit like this. No, oh, absolutely. You, you there. It's all proof of concept from a business standpoint, right? So they're yeah. they're saying, hey, will people go see another movie that looks like this with these kind of settings and this kind of budget and all of this? 
Um, and yeah, it's it's a positive. And this isn't this isn't a. I think the problem with this movie is that it's bad, but it's not having fun with itself. Right. Like it's it's so self seriously bad that. I really like it's. It's only an hour and forty five minutes long, and I swear to God, it was two and a half hours. You know what? It doesn't feel. I'll, I'll give it this. It doesn't feel like a cynical cash grab. It feels like people are trying. Mm-hmm. They just don't know how to do it. Yeah. No, I agree. I don't. I mean, there was nothing. I mean, it, it is a cynical cash grab. Don't get me wrong. Well, sure. Like, I, I get what this is. But for, you know, the people that are actually involved in it... Because this guy also made uh, Snow White and the Huntsman. Did you ever see that? Oh, no, I didn't. Was um, that good? It, you know, it wasn't bad, but it was... Uh, it was weird because it was, a, you know, well, Snow White's in the public domain. But it was an IP people are familiar with. But it, it's something that it, he tried to do something different with. And him trying to do something different with this, whether, you know, a lot of it probably came from the people that were paying for it from Paramount... And a lot of it probably is just like, hey, let me do something different because I don't want to just remake this movie shot for shot. But it just doesn't work. Yeah. You know, narratively. Visually, again, like, it, he knocked it out of the park. Oh, no, I, I, I think this this is just made of really cool, really beautiful shots, really beautiful images. I mean, if this were, if this were an interactive uh, experience... I mean, to to say, like, if this did something like what the Bandersnatch thing does instead, mm-hmm. where you were sort of uh, participating in it and getting to play with the world, I think it could be a totally amazing experience. Um, as, yeah, I don't know. Did I say this a minute ago? Because I, I thought about it while I was watching, especially towards the end. This feels like a Hideo Kojima movie. Like, this feels like a Metal Gear movie. Oh yeah, yeah, it's no, that, I, yeah, grandiose and dumb, but you, oh, can, you can see yeah. they're reaching for something, you know, something kind of deep and philosophical. But it's just like this bombastic idiot movie. Yeah, no, it's 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 really <laughs> all the villains. All the villains are big in in that kind of Metal Gear way, and uh, and yeah, it's it's. You know, it it really very well could all be cutscenes <laughs> stitched together from a video game. Yeah, I, I would I would give it that. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I it's it's tricky because I didn't I didn't hate it. I definitely felt bored at times. Yeah, like, I'm not like mad at the movie. No, oh no, no. Yeah, it's I I think the problem is that it's that it leaves me kind of apathetic. Yeah. Like, I, I I walk away going, yeah, I saw some really cool action sequences and some really nice visuals. But even, okay, here's the other thing. Because one of the things that I liked the most about the original was the, the, the way the soundtrack was very traditional Japanese merged with this future. You know, it was, right, it was right. very much about, again, about evolution, about are we ready to make this step toward being something more than human? And this movie doesn't bother with really traditional music until the very end, over the credits. Yeah, because they had to put it in there. You know right. what I mean? Like they couldn't yeah, well, not have doing that fan service. But they're not. But that. But the thing is, is that was what was integral to making like the the, the one the one sequence in the middle of the anime where it's just 
no dialogue sweeping through the city showing you the ways that people are still people, but they're merged together with a lot of this different tech and there's signs and lighting and all this other stuff that that was saying something without saying it. That was that was giving the audience something to read visually. And this didn't bother with that. Instead, it was like, hey, uh, we need to keep an action movie soundtrack going because otherwise you're going to get bored. We have to keep pulling you along. And then at the end, they're like, well, yeah, and this was also very traditional. But it doesn't it doesn't add up to the same thing. Yeah. Um, just a lot of kind of fumbled decisions or we're not sure why one thing works and one thing doesn't. It's a... Uh, man, it's hard to talk about because it's... I mean, we've been talking about it for 40 minutes. Yeah. But it's, but. it's hard to... Because there's nothing to really grab onto to scream about. Oh, yeah, no. I mean, that's the thing. It's like, I, I, I really... I mean, this this movie is like... A, Inoffensive. A movie. And you know what? I, I, I will definitely watch it again. I actually I tried to watch it yesterday but couldn't couldn't get the time because I wanted to just I would definitely put this on and I think it's it is it's like it is kind of that you know college bar, college art bar movie that would be perfect as background illustration uh, but I you know I I could see myself watching this enough to be convinced that I like it more than I do now just just on repeat viewing. Um, but yeah, otherwise it really it's it's I guess it just it's like I don't know. It's, I it's like it's it's a mush. It's like inoffensively bad. Right. It's like I, yeah. It's I like try. you know what? It, it's like candied walnuts on top of uh spearmint ice milk. Yeah, okay. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. It's just like it's just there. I I I could compare this like it's kind of like solo in a way. Yeah. Now there there are some there are some real grown moments in that movie, but it's also sort of like, well, yeah, that was that was a movie I watched. <laughs> you know, it, it, it certainly was a movie, right? <laughs> I feel like before before we get you know too far into talking about it, we should actually like in some way address the whitewashing controversy, which I don't find controversial really at all. What what were your thoughts? Because I think. Uh, I think not only did it have that controversy, but the the reveal and spoilers. Shame on you because we've been talking about this for an hour. <laughs> um, is that Scarlett Johansson was a Japanese woman that they they altered carboned her into this? Right. Yeah. Um, did it bother you? Did you care? No, I didn't really care. I mean, I I think that the problem is that. It doesn't, it doesn't matter to this version of the plot of the movie, and the the thing is, is that it, as we noted before, there are so many European people, European and West and, and American people in this movie that it doesn't, it it, I don't know, it's not, I don't know, it's <laughs> the movie's too like meh to really get wound up about almost, you know? Yeah, it's like it 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 would have been. It would have been an issue if the movie tried to tackle anything of importance about identity, but it sort of just wanted to state that identity was important and then not really take any time focusing on that. 
Uh, it, her, her mother's line of, you remind me of her, how, because of the way you look at me is so bad. Oh, yeah. It's... Which is also hysterical, like, uh, and I, this is just kind of a, um, a writing thing, and I don't know if this kind of touched you a little bit. Uh, when you have characters, and I know this from having a mother who's foreign, so don't take this the wrong way. When you have somebody that obviously speaks a language uh, as their second language and is still kind of uh, struggling with it a little bit, they tend not to use words like manifestos. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, because she's, you know, the actress is doing fine, but she has a very distinct, heavy Japanese accent. And just the, you know, she's talking in a very plain English speech as I do in Spanish or like people do in second languages. But then she just says the word manifestos and it's like, it's really hysterical. It's just a clumsy word anyway. Yeah. You know, manifestos has so much attached to it. There are plenty of other words that cover that purpose. Yeah. She uh, said poems. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, it was just, I don't yeah, know why just, that stuck out so much, but it just, it felt so like, like you said, just clumsy. And the whole movie's, I think that's probably like the best way to put it. This movie is very clumsy. Okay, so uh, two things. Thing two one. things? Two things? Uh, <laughs> Yay! I got to do. I got to. Be <laughs> I got to do the thing. Um, Say the line, Nate. <laughs> I didn't do it. Uh, was a wuzzle, wuzzle. Uh, no, but okay. So, uh, thing one is: it, is this movie? Is the super secret purpose of this movie to show what happens when? Uh, is it? Is it a criticism of writing for actors? I'm ex doing a lot. Ex expound on this because I'm, I'm doing a lot of work for this idea. Okay, but uh, let's just say that you know you brought up use of the word manifesto. There is a clumsiness to a lot of the writing in this. Is that clumsiness intentional to point out the way in which actors are populated by the thoughts of writers in the way that a uh, shell is populated by a ghost? If if that were to be the case. Which we would never know. And if you suggested it to the person that wrote the movie, um, they might tell you that because it is a better idea than what they had. This would be, like, brilliant. Right? I feel like I could write a, a like film criticism 201 paper that would argue this. And I could probably do a good enough job to get an A. Yeah, I think um, so. I think there's enough raw material... Yeah. Uh so that that's that's terrible idea one. The the other thing to kind of go back to the whitewashing controversy is that it's not I don't think that matters as much ultimately for the film. Like yes, there's there's always there there is an issue with well yeah, you could have you could have definitely cast a, an actress of Asian descent and that probably would have just made more sense in general. But this movie is mostly about women's empowerment and not as much about race. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's definitely not enough for them to tackle. This movie has three screenwriting credits, by the way. Um, oh, that's never a good sign. No, and mixed up in these credits in, you know, in various personages are several Transformers movies, Street Kings, uh, Arlington Road, which is a movie I liked, but I recognize is not the most well-written movie. So, 
I'm going to shoot down your first theory, even though I kind of love it. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm impressed that with that much Transformer involvement, there weren't more racist caricatures. Uh, well, you got to have like a bunch of other raced people in there, which is this movie's kind of light on. Although I, I because of the, the shit we enjoy in general, I did love all the cyber Yakuza. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and and uh, the the geisha bots were very interesting. Yeah. Um though totally, you know, yeah, though just a totally different way of introducing some of the themes. But yeah. So uh, yeah, my my theory of the the intentional complexity of this is is shot down. Uh, that would be something else though. Wouldn't that be amazing? They were like, "Yeah, this is about actors not being people because we put information into them." Like, it was, a, like, a stealth meta-textual movie that they snuck into Ghost in the Shell. Like, how Nightmare on Elm Street 2 is just super gay, although that's really obvious. It's funny when you, the screenwriter, who is a gay dude, was okay. getting, he's getting, he was getting interviewed one time. He's like, I can't believe people didn't realize how gay that movie is. <laughs> oh, man. Or, you know, it's like Fight Club. It's a movie about how gay guys can be terrible housekeepers, too. Right. <laughs> Love thyself. <laughs> All right, you want to give it the waifus? Yeah, yeah, okay. Um, I'm going to give it four. Oof. I, uh, I, you know, the main thing is this is this is just, this is an action movie. It's basically like, hey, we have a brand that people recognize. We're going to repurpose that brand, make this action movie that's... That's just kind of a convoluted Western uh, espionage story that doesn't quite make any sense, and uh, yeah, and and it's visually stunning, so it gets it gets three there. I think the some of the acting is okay, like it's not bad acting, but it's not great. There's not a lot of act. There's not really a lot of room to act. Um, so yeah, four out of ten. I'm gonna give it a six, and I'll tell you why. Okay. Um. One, I find this very visually arresting, but this is um what I I would kind of consider a writing movie, and I don't know how you because we never really talked about this before. But when I write, I need to have something on in the background. It usually can't be music because I get too distracted by it. So I'll put on a movie either I've seen a lot uh-huh. or one that's something I can just look up and not have to pay attention to. I need a break and something's always going on. So like um I'm trying to think like. Uh, Predators, the Robert Rodriguez movie, or I don't know, uh, RoboCop Two, or okay. something. You know, Starship Troopers, uh, Heroes of the Federation, something of that kind of like big bombastic, goofy sci-fi that right. could just be on, and I don't have to get involved with the plot of the movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I feel like this is kind of perfect for that. This is a, a movie you can do other things. While you're watching it, and still really appreciate it. Yeah, yeah, that's a that's a really great review like tagline for this. A movie you can do your homework to. Yeah. Um, no, I, I totally agree. My my whole uh, my standards are to what like put on the old uh, Twilight Zone series. Okay. If I'm working on a book, I'll just put that on, and I don't. It, it has a tone that keeps my brain in a certain zone of thinking about how I'm writing things without. Yeah. Without me needing to pay attention to it, yeah, I totally agree. I think this is this is definitely that kind of movie. This is a great movie to have on in the background while you do other things, 
and and to look up to occasionally and be like, wow, that's really that's a beautiful picture. Yeah. You know. Um, and yeah, I, I who knows? I guess I guess if you if we went through it frame by frame, there might be some very hidden you know Easter eggs and gems that that would be of, of greater value too. I also feel like I'm very soft on this movie because I remember the reviews that it just got shredded. Yeah, and then it, I watched it, and I was just like, it's not, it's not like, it's not that bad. No, it's not. It's it's this this movie is dare I say even a little on par with Force Awakens. Like, yeah. Yeah, it I has all that. of it has all of the things in it that you want in the thing. They don't all work really well. And uh, and sometimes it's kind of like oh yeah okay I've seen that okay I I, I get that yeah um, I I still think Force Awakens is a better movie of the two but yeah not yeah they're definitely you know in the same uh, they're in the same lane I think uh, kind of expounding on that if this movie came out in 2012 I think I would have loved it but we've gotten so much better uh, live science fiction big budget shit. Oh, yeah. It kind of bumps us down a little bit, and it's just kind of quaint. Yeah, yeah, I agree. It suffers. It suffers a little bit in the same way that the anime does. That there, there have been so many iterations of that story concept. That sort of going back and watching it is like, okay, yeah, I get it. This is <laughs> this is really good, but I, I I already kind of experienced this. And it's funny that this movie, after the the anime kind of sprung forth all these other things, that this movie took all the things that it sprung and put it back in and it just didn't work. Yeah. Yeah, no. Well, it, it, like, it, it was influenced by the things that were influenced by the thing it was supposed to be remaking. It's like making a, a copy of a... You remember, like, when you would tape things on analog? Oh, yeah. And if you taped it off of something that you had taped already, like, it started to, you know, there was a... You got that degradation? Yeah, what the hell is it called? It's, there's some kind of actual word for it. Oh. Some some kind of it's loss. I forget what the oh fidelity loss. <coughs> Something you know generational loss. That's oh generational called. loss. Okay, yeah. Hmm. Which I should know because it was like the opening line of my first book. Ah, but everybody buy that book. Yeah, whatever. I I barely read it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, generational loss. That's what it's called. So as you get further, as you copy things and keep copying it further away from the original, it starts to kind of fall apart. This is why inbreeding is a problem. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah, or, no, it's... Or that's... that third clone in multiplicity that p- keeps pizza in his wallet. Oh, God. Yeah. That movie, that that's a good movie. I, yeah, I still have fun with it. <laughs> uh, yeah, I I agree. I think that if this came out in 2012, it would have been... It would have been a, a very different thing. And there's a way in which it, it feels like it was supposed to come out. Between Matrix Revolutions and its release date, like it should have come out in in that area, because that's what it's sort of it's paying. Because it really, I, it felt a lot like the Matrix to me in a lot of places. Yeah, they were really trying to call back to that <laughs> as the one touchstone. Um, you know what's fucked up is that if you would have asked me before we started when this movie was made, I would have said like 2015. Oh yeah, this came out like. Well, I mean, now it's two years ago, but really, like a year ago. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's it's brand spanking new. That's fucking crazy. It is. Well, and and uh, you know, uh, the thing that's missing with it is is ultimately kind of the we've talked about 
how Sorry to Bother You is a great movie because it takes a really big swing. Yeah. And and even in the ways that it doesn't succeed, it is swinging so big that, like, you ignore those two or three little things that could be, like, eh, and go, yeah. wow, this is great. And this movie doesn't take any swings. That's really the problem. No, that's like, that's a it, good that's like a good way to look at it. Yeah, it's it swings are all visual. This is the Kevin Euclid of sci-fi movies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's it is. It's beautiful, and they put everything into the look of it, and so little into into trying to do anything bigger than you know. That's and and, that, and it comes back. It comes back to that service of like, hey, we're gonna we're this movie's gonna talk about consent. This movie's gonna talk about individualism and consent. And and it, in as much as it's literally going to mention those things multiple times, with no greater depth. It's just crazy that I think you know people that produce movies, and I'm sure some of them do, but um, haven't seemed to realize that this isn't 1978 anymore, and you can't just sell a movie on effects. You know what I mean? That's not going to give it legs, right? Not for oh, very long. Yeah, yeah but well, because they're still they're still too afraid. I. I we have we have most of the movies that are out uh, that are you know that were high rated this year were uh, you know remakes or existing properties right yeah. they they're they're afraid to to do something cool like you know uh, to go back to first reformed for instance which is a movie that that is about so much more than it talks about and has so much so much below the surface energy uh and it's just, you know, to to have applied, if you, if they had put that kind of depth to this, if you had sensed Major's suffering in the way that you that you sense uh, um, Ethan Hawke's suffering in that movie, yeah, this could have been a really powerful film. At the same time, uh, you know, while also having action, uh, and I I don't I guess I don't really understand why why those things don't get married together very much. But I mean, and you can do it very simply, like not that um this is going to be a weird comparison, but I find that John Wick's suffering is comparable to that of Ethan Hawke. It's not as um philosophically deep, but you understand everything about that like he has this hard life he tried to get rid of. He got married, his wife died, his dog died, and now he's just this thing that exists just for revenge. Right. Yeah, and that takes like a twenty minute setup, and you know you it's a you know a balls of the wall action movie, but it's very compelling. Like the people are, they're not particularly deep, but they're well served in their roles. But I, I'm emotionally invested in John Wick, who's a just this force of nature killing machine, more than I am in so many movies that spend hours talking about the character's backstory, their inner thoughts, and monologuing and shit. You know what I mean? Oh, so it's yeah. not like well, it's impossible to have pathos in a stupid action movie. Yeah, yeah. Well, and and because part of it is it's always, you know, the 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 issue with this is it's the the backstory is I was on a I was on a raft uh, with refugees and then the the bad guy blew up the blew up the boat, yeah. which is such a which is not to say that that kind of suffering isn't isn't real because it obviously is like at, real people go through that on, on a daily basis on this planet. The thing about John wick is that uh, the loss of a loved one and the, having a pet murdered are things that immediately resonate with, I think 
everybody. Yeah. Because they're just human and they're direct and it's base level and it's like, hey, this is this doesn't take this doesn't take you reaching out to an experience that you might not have. Right. This is an experience that is universal. And there's nothing wrong with that. No, I think I think that's the thing that makes the shorthand work better in John Wick than it does in this. Or or that forces this to have such incredible longhand to try to evoke the same emotional response. Right. But again, it's so slick like you know, a movie like The Raid or John Wick, you know, the people seem like they're in danger. There's like viscera, you know, they're beat up, they're slow like Besides the part where, you know, her arm pops, like, the Major never really feels like she's in any kind of danger. Like, you don't feel like anybody's really in any kind of danger. They're just, you know, they're just going to get through to wherever they got to go to end the movie, and that's kind of it. Yeah, yeah. Like, if this was, like, a hard R movie, like, Upgrade, you know, that could work, I think, a little bit better. Yeah, that's a good point. That, that's a very good point. This could have been a really compelling, like, body horror cyberpunk mashup thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. David Cronenberg's Ghost in the Shell might have been a better movie. Holy shit, that would be an amazing <laughs> movie. <laughs> but yeah, so I think that's kind of where we're at. All right. Well, uh, um, let's see. Your your mileage may vary. Uh, I feel like if you watch this movie and you don't have to critique it for people, I think you'll probably enjoy it more than we do having having to talk about it and kind of take it apart. This is a this is a solid popcorn movie. Yeah, something that you can do. It it really it isn't long, um, and once you're done doing it, you probably won't think about it for very long afterwards, unless you force yourself to, and that's okay. Like we need movies like that. Not every movie yeah. has to be, uh, you know, a, a treatise on something. Right. And it can, just, it can just be the uh, the slice of ginger or the uh, the sorbet or whatever. It's just it's just a palate cleanser. It's like hey, that was a movie. Yeah, and this was, and this probably wouldn't uh, this wouldn't be disappointing if not for comparing it to the anime that that was so uh, revolutionary in itself, and and I I don't know I mean it, th- this is the problem of doing a compare contrast on two two versions of the same property is you know I'm sitting there going oh well I want the ending where she's in you know a child's body as a completely different thing. And I want that meditation, and instead what you get is, no, she's actually just, like, a more advanced Terminator at the end. Ta-da. Yeah. Um, and that's and that's fine, because that's what this movie is. And, uh, you know, it's it's like, it's really like, because I, I like the, the uh, like, reboot Star Trek movies. I've enjoyed them. Mm. Uh, I the didn't, second one, too? I didn't like, I didn't like, that's Into Darkness, is that? Yeah. I didn't like that one that much. I was bored through most of it. Um, but I like the first and the third one. Yeah, I enjoyed the first one in the same way I enjoyed this movie. It's just kind of like a dumb popcorn movie. Right, and it's, and it's enjoyable if you don't go, oh, well, where's the, you know, where's that 60s-style idealistic, uh, message that, that's supposed to be in this? Where's that right. Star Trek that's trying to tell us about making the world a better place? And instead, you know, the... The, the reboot movies are like, hey, uh, we're badasses and we're in space and we wear Star Trek costumes while we do it. I, I know this is this is going to sound crazy, but this movie only, and I say only, only cost $100 million. That does seem cheap, doesn't it? For what it looks like? Yeah, 100%. Because how, how much did Black Panther cost? Like $250? Uh, something like that, yeah. Yeah. Um, which, yeah, that's that's amazing. Yeah, I mean, it definitely they got their money. They made a really beautiful movie, and every, everybody should see this to see it. 
Yeah, Justice League cost $300 million. Oh, God. And that was just super garbage. <laughs> yeah. And I think a lot of this, like, and I know we're kind of talking around this a lot, but when you uh, mentioned the thing about Star Trek, it made me think of this. We've When the original came out, we weren't uh, on the precipice of AI running amok and shit. You know, it was still futurism. Right. Yeah, yeah. The, you know, we're not super far away from where this movie is right now. Yeah, that's true. So it's kind of easier to pick at, eh, that's not really going to happen, or that's not quite right, or that's dumb, or whatever. It's just, we're so much closer to that, that, again, it makes it, makes it seem quaint, like, oh, that's cute. Oh, I mean, like, uh, one, of our, one of our Facebook friends, I think Marcus commented on the, on the animated episode when we posted it, and he was saying, uh, I think it was Marcus, was saying, uh, you know, why would you why would you augment yourself to have lots of little fingers come out of your own fingers to type faster when if you could just have robot hands that type super fast? Yeah, or you could just upload your you know, your thought directly into the program and skip typing altogether. Yeah. Yeah, why would you why would you accept <laughs> like we already have we already have uh terabyte flash drives that exist. So yeah. or terabyte uh even like uh, cards. Why would why would you bother like That's like if you if, route? Yeah. If you go back and watch Johnny Mnemonic, there you know, he gets an upgrade to his uh Oh yeah, cuz it's like brain storage to like 8 gigs or something. It's like it's just it's so cute. Yeah, it's some hilariously small amount. I felt I felt like it was even like megabytes, but Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's like he could basically like courier uh, like half of a Cranberries album before his nose bleeds. <laughs> Like, it's adorable what they thought the future was going to be. But now, it's just, it's too close to where we are now to really f- give it that kind of, uh, that sense of prescient gloom. Oh, yeah. Because, I mean, the spider tank's just a big Boston Dynamics robot. I was waiting for somebody to walk by and kick it. Right. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, it reminds me of Professor Frink's line, you know, that, uh... <laughs> In 20 years, computers will be twice this size, and only yeah, five yeah, richest kings, kings of Europe will be able to afford them. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> oh, shit. Man. Um, uh, so, uh, a couple of, couple of uh, live-action corner things for me. Ooh. Uh, I watched The Disaster Artist, finally. Oh, yeah? Uh, did, have you seen it? Yeah, I saw it, TJ and I saw it in the theater, and I've seen it once since then. Um, I kind of had diminishing returns with it. Yeah, I don't. I, I I think it was uh, it it was it was basically like a popcorn movie that it, it's just it's a good companion piece. If you like The Room, you watch this because it's a fun way to. I mean, it's also it's trading entirely on the cast. Yeah. So uh, liking The Room and then liking you know James. James and Dave Franco and Paul Shear and Seth Rogen and all those people. If you like a bunch of kind of contemporary podcast comedians and James Franco, you'll like this movie. Yeah, it almost them goofing off. Like like you said, it almost feels like it should be a bonus feature on a room Blu-ray. Oh yeah, I mean, I because because if you're if if you're not familiar with the subject matter in the way that like and the people that are familiar with the room are like really familiar with it, right? Oh yeah. But if you're not familiar with it at all, like what do you get out of this movie? Right. It's it's like it's like going to a midnight showing of Rocky Horror and not having any idea about how those work. Yeah. 
Like you're going and it, it, it's like going to that midnight Rocky Horror showing, expecting to watch Rocky Horror Picture Show, instead right. of have people throw shit at you and be pulled up on stage and everything else. Um, yeah, it's 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 definitely like you have to be committed to what the room is and what the room is about. The uh, over the over the closing credits, they do a they do like several side by sides. Yeah, it was the best part show. of the movie. And and I would I would have loved if that was the whole thing. Like it was they like just straight up remade it. Just a split screen. Watch, watch us redo this. Like if that, that was would, a special, that would be awesome. that I could watch. I would, I would put that on. That would be a background thing for me to put on because I would love to watch all those people play those those parts and really just you know goof it up. I mean, it, it, it was fun. It was fun. I enjoyed it. I, I you know, I, I really like all those all those actors and comedians, and I think they they did a really great job making making a pretty genuine love letter of a movie to Tommy Wiseau and to the concept of the room and what it represents this like underdog unintentional victory or like, yeah, yeah I don't know. So that, that was fun. Um, we also watched eighth grade. Oh, the Bo Burnham movie. Yeah. Yeah. I've heard good things. I haven't seen it. You, you should definitely see it. It was, uh, it's, it's like, perfectly it's perfectly eighth grade i as as i can only imagine it being now i mean it it, it's very different depiction of what eighth grade is compared to what i experienced because you know we didn't have snapchat and instagram and youtube and all those things uh molly's and eating ass right (laughs) but uh but yeah it was you know it's just it's perfectly it's it's very real very awkward and very loving at the same time and it's like funny and it's sad but it's never any of those things melodramatically it's it it all it all feels really natural and 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 earned and i i think that was that was very cool so i would recommend that film that's an 824 movie right yes it is okay and it's also on prime now so you can watch okay cool with your prime subscription uh because yeah that's uh it's it's great and i i i i hope that I mean, I really hope that that uh, I think her name is Elsie Fisher, the the young lady who's the actress, who's the lead. I hope she wins something because she is. I mean, it, it really felt like watching a documentary, like a diary of this girl, and not like she was playing anything. Uh, which that that doesn't happen very often. I mean, where you really lose acting in the character. Yeah, especially for like young actors. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Especially in in these types of movies, it's really easy to see when people are kind of hamming it up and and when they're being real. And yeah, there's not a there's not a bad moment in this. And and there are a lot of things in there where it just it it does parallel. I think my eighth grade experience to an extent, kind of uh, earning your confidence or or at least. Under the, growing to understand the stakes of life a little bit, which which okay. is cool. Uh, really, really great. I, I definitely recommend it. I will check it out. Right on. Uh, I haven't watched a whole lot. Um, I watched Ant Man and the Wasp. Oh yeah, okay. Which I, I did not care for. It's like a. It's a, like I liked the first Ant Man. I thought that yeah. was fun. Um, it wasn't like a, a bonkers amazing movie, but it was fun. Yeah. And Ant Man and the Wasp is like uh, that kind of cut with water. 
Yeah, I'll yeah I'll talk about it uh, probably on the other show, but it's like it's very just rote and bland, and I'm not sure who's the actual villain of the movie because there's a point where Michael Douglas. Or uh, Lawrence Fishburne accuses Michael Douglas of getting him fired, or getting the other the woman's father fired, just because, and he never refutes it. So am I to understand that he's just some kind of like egotistical asshole, and I should be okay with that? Like I don't, I don't. It's just the the villain doesn't really work because they're way too sympathetic, well, and then the movie feels like an hour and fifteen minutes of a car chase that doesn't go anywhere. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. I mean, it it it, it comes back to that continuous Marvel problem of, of compelling villains. Yeah. And they tried to make Ghost compelling by having her be uh, a person who didn't ask for this and right. was just trying to stay alive. Um, but honestly, like, it wasn't... It didn't It didn't land with me very well. No. And and it's it, it's also because it's trying to do too many things at the same time. Like, it's, it's trying to be... Um, I mean, it's basically the same story as Gardens of the Galaxy 2... Yeah. Got to find the lost parent. Right. But it does, like, at least with Guardians, like, that's the whole plot, is finding the parent with with a background pair of enemies that are just sort of nuisances, but they're, they're comic relief. Right. And so it, it, it that, that worked for me. But this sort of is like, hey, we're really working to find my mom, but also this very serious person who deserves probably an entire movie's worth of attention is just going to kind of flutter around the wings. But it's also like they're so, like, like the Pym family is so unlikable. Like, I get they have this, like, devotion to find their mother, but it's, you know, Scott's got one day left the house arrest. He can't really do anything for them because they're both infinitely smarter and more capable than he is, as, as we're told and shown throughout both of the movies. And he's like, I got to get back home, otherwise I'm going to be locked up. Mm-hmm you know, in S.H.I.E.L.D. headquarters for the rest of my life. Like, go ahead and leave, Scott. Fuck you. Like, right. Okay. It's like, look, I you, I, I have a daughter. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to pick to be responsible here. Like, do you feel like the... Do you not notice the parallel here? Right. Like, um, you want me to abandon my child so that we can find your abandoning parent. Right. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I thought that was bad. Uh, I watched a lot of 30 for 30s. Um because I got ESPN Plus, it's like four bucks a month, and they have the whole... I mean, I got it specifically, basically, to watch these and, you know, a couple UFC and a couple basketball things. Oh, nuts! So I watched uh, 42 to 1, the Buster Douglas 30 for 30. Okay, uh-huh. Uh, I watched Chasing Tyson. There's going to be a theme here. Oh, this yeah, yeah. The Vander Holyfield. The Sweet Science. Uh, yeah. I watched Tommy about Tommy Morrison, which is like a super tragic story. Yeah, it's, that's because he, he gets AIDS, right? Yeah, he's dead. Uh, if you are only familiar with him for ruining the Rocky franchise temporarily, uh, you might want to go back and have a look at that. Yeah. I watched both uh, episodes of, well, episodes, both documentaries, The U, about Miami University football in, like, the 90s and kind of how the program gets resurrected. They're both directed by Billy Corbin, who also directed Cocaine Cowboys. Oh. And my favorite 30 for 30, which I didn't watch yet, but I've seen a million times, Broke, about... Obviously, all these athletes going broke. Oh yeah, yeah, I love that one. It's yeah, I I find that uh, you know I I had this pie in the sky idea that if I was going to start a nonprofit, if I if I ever had the money to do that, I would start a nonprofit that just like gave mentors to college athletes. Yeah, 
that so would be that, a really good idea. So that they had someone who had no stakes in the game in between them and agents and family and entourage people who who will all uh, prey on their you know on their character and and on the lottery ticket that is their their talent. Because uh, I think that's that's the thing that seems to be missing is no one's really saying hey you know you're gonna make you might make a million dollars a year or you might make twenty million dollars a year for ten years, but if you keep handing out money like this, you're not gonna you're not gonna go anywhere. Well, I think he does a really good job presenting it because it could just easily be like a a piece you enjoy for uh, what what is that word? Schadenfreude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, it's actually really compelling, and you feel for or at least I do. Like, it, it humanizes them a lot because you you know how uh, and we'll get on this irrelevant tangent and then I'll go. Mm-hmm. But uh, you know how people seem to talk about professional athletes like they're actual slaves. Yeah, and it's like you know, well, you already make twenty million dollars a year, and you should just be happy and do whatever you're told and stay in line, boy. Right. You know what I mean? It's a yeah, lot yeah. of that. So, like, I feel like that dehumanizes. Oh no, I think I think that's the problem is that we we have a culture that simultaneously demands that these athletes be uh, uh, braggadocious and self confident pseudo brands of their own. Yeah. And then we criticize them for making the mistakes that inherently happen when you tell somebody to cultivate one kind of life and and not be well rounded. Like you force yeah. them into this thing. It's it's there is there it you know you you look at like um so I mean I don't know so many of these stories where it's a guy that like has a bunch of talent and in service of that talent a bunch of people give him money and won't tell him no. Unless it's when he starts doing things that they don't approve of, and then they and then they drop the hammer so immediately, you know, or they, they do things that they don't approve of that they get caught. Right. Oh yeah. Like my big, my big thing was, and this is kind of like a this is a local example, but I think it kind of works. Um, Adam Jones has ten and five rights, so he's been with the same team. Or he's been in the league for 10 years, the same team with five. It's a baseball thing where it means you can decline any trade that they offer. Right. Because of your service time in the league and with the same team. Um, so this summer, there was a big hubbub about them trading him to Philadelphia for something, just for prospects or whatever. He said no, he vetoed it. Right. And people got so pissed off, like, you should just do it and do what's best for the team. And it's like, look, man. If you were at your job and somebody came in tomorrow and said, hey, we're just going to send you to some other job six, you know, whatever, 600 miles away, you have the right to say no and nothing will happen to you. I mean, legally nothing will happen to you. Right. But um, you should just go because it's better for us. Really? Well, no, fuck you. Yeah, no. Well, and, and the problem is is that if he it, – it, it's, a, it's a lose-lose scenario. If he says yes – a bunch of people then come out and they're like, "Well, Baltimore has nobody who will stay on this team." Yeah, right. You're you're gonna get you're gonna get hit with being disloyal if you go. You're gonna be hit for not being a team player if you stay. Yeah, and it's yeah, it's it's dumb because and it is. It's part of this, you know, the the fan ownership mentality in sports. The idea that like, you know, I'm not gonna be. I, I, I'm a person who tends to be mad at ownership when things don't work because yeah. I know that that's where the decisions are made, right? You can't we, – we, we have this propensity in sports and politics and all these other things to take the easy distraction of buck passing whenever it's offered. 
even right. though it's like, no, you know what? The reason the Broncos got Joe Flacco is because John Elway's not a good general manager, right? <laughs> we should have that conversation. I know we texted about this already, but or or you know, like uh, uh, you know, the Rockies, the Rockies are going to be in a weird spot because they they signed Arenado to one year deal. They're going to have to sign Trevor Story. Can we do both? I don't know. I think the ownership's too cheap to do both. Right, and it's not like they're like that close. And just you know what I mean? Oh yeah. Well, and look at and look at what the uh, look at what they did this off season, which is you have uh, DJ LeMahieu, who's been a great second baseman for us, who's gotten offensively better every season, and you just let him go, and then you go and you sign Daniel Murphy, who's got less long term upside. Costs Daniel Murphy's more. like a hundred and fifty years old. Yeah, he's like 36, I think. Yeah, oh, you know, and, he's younger than us, but baseball-wise, he's dying. Oh, yeah, no, I mean, he's, yeah, he's not, and it's it's just another one of these, like, weird gambles. Like, they're willing, they're not willing to sign DJ, but they are willing to sign, you know, a veteran, and then, I mean, we, we even, like, put Mark Reynolds on the, on the uh, minor league. Yeah, I saw that. Which they seem like they're in the same position Baltimore has been for the last couple of years, where they feel like they can contend and they'll add a couple pieces, but they won't go whole hog, and they also won't do a full rebuild, which is where we are now with the Orioles. Right. They're in that weird kind of like wild card limbo. Oh yeah, well, and that's the thing is they they didn't they didn't make any effort to become better. They made they made every effort to stay the same, and that's yeah. It annoys me, but that's fine. I guess that's we're a small market team, therefore we're not meant to contend. <laughs> Is Denver a small market really? Like, like I don't know. You know, um, I mean, I guess Bal- like- Baltimore gets folded into DC, Virginia, so it's actually like a fairly big market. Um, Denver is what like mid market. Yeah, I, I don't know. We're, we're mid market. I mean, we're we're the only team for lot for like four states. <laughs> so, so I guess. And the Broncos um, do really well, right? Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, that's uh, yeah. The Broncos are just kind of a a staple of the of the West. <laughs> yeah, and uh, you got one. You've got every major sport covered. We do. We even have an MLS team. <laughs> yeah, that, I, they do really well. Cross team. <laughs> oh jeez. <laughs> but uh, all right, okay. Well, uh, old Mary Todd's calling me. So all right. <laughs> I don't know what we're doing next week or this week, depending on how it shakes out. But we will put something on Facebook. Yeah, figure it out. We yeah, we'll figure out what we're gonna do and then we'll do it. Okay. okay. <laughs> or we'll just do it and then figure it out afterwards. Yeah, that works too. <laughs> <laughs> All, right. All right. All right, brother. Okay. Love you. Bye. Love you. Talk to you later. Love you too. Bye. Bye.
future.